Okay, everybody, welcome to another Prog Report podcast. It has been almost a year to the day since we did our Ultimate 80s podcast, and uh, which is amazing. So we're here to do the Ultimate 90s Prog album with the whole cast of characters. Uh, so joining me is Dan Levy. Hey, everyone. Emmy award-winning. Emmy award-winning Dan Levy. Yeah, I'm sorry about you. that. Oh, Jeff, Jeff Bailey. Of course. Victor Geel. Hi, everybody. And both Kyles, Kyle Fagula and Kyle Graves. What's I'm happening? Glad to, I'm glad to see Jeff is alive. Jeff. <laughs> yes, for anybody worried that Jeff was dead after the last podcast, he's very much rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> Actually, considering you're in that room, I don't know. Maybe you aren't uh, alive. Yeah. We just don't know. Mm. Maybe this was well, recorded before. Alive the last again. <laughs> so, uh, what we are going to do here is similar to what we've done in the past. Uh, we're each going to end up picking three songs uh, in a you know, sequential order here and uh, no repeats and uh, really no rules so we'll just see how this goes obviously stuff from the 90s i think you guys can expect to to see some of the things that that you might expect we would do and of course i'm sure there'll be some surprises uh that we're not expecting anyway um uh just a quick word uh to check out our latest podcast the one we did with uh mike portnoy and the neil morse band and neil morse solo songs uh, has is up now and that's great and we also have uh, a few other ultimate albums that we've done recently with Pink Floyd and Rush and some other stuff so make sure you subscribe and follow us on all our podcast networks and catch up on anything you've missed and uh, all right so there we go uh, so we're going to kick off with uh, actually Kyle Graves has not been on one of these uh, so we're going to give him the honors of uh, the very first pick in this uh, 90s album so so let's see where he goes all right. Well, I'm honored. Thanks, man. Um, so anybody listening to this podcast, including all six of us, uh, there's there's one band that we all know that represents 90s Prague. And let's just get it out of the way. Let's just say it. Let's say it all together. Three, two, one. Dream Three, theater. Two, warning. Theater. warning. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff I and I said the same thing. I was going to go Radiohead, but I, I thought I'd play along correctly. You guys are my best friends. Uh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> we cannot overstate the importance of Dream Theater, especially in the 90s when you're talking about Prague. They've influenced countless uh, fans, but musicians as well. You know, tons of, of new bands would we'll, we'll obviously cite them as an influence. Uh, so how do you possibly pick one song, one or two songs when you're talking about the ultimate 90s from Dream Theater? They came out with Images and Words, the blueprint for the 90s. They had Awake. They had the, the greatest concept album of all time, Scenes from Memory. And uh, of course, in right in the, the dead center of the 90s, 1995, this is going to make a couple of you guys happy. A change of seasons that's my number one pick um it's nearly a perfect composition it was 23 minutes long which certainly at the time uh was was pretty unheard of for a prog metal band fates warning had done it in 88 but um really th there were long songs there were lots of 10 and 12 and 15 minute songs but to hit a 23 minute song was kind of this mythical thing and um you know we all Everybody listening to this probably knows about it. It's kind of about the seasons of life, and it's just so well done. It's well executed. Uh, the performances are amazing. The lyrics are amazing. Musically, everything is uh, just on point. So if I had to pick, and you guys are making me pick, a lead-off track for the Ultimate 90s, it's got to be a change of season.
podcast done. Podcast done. done. Podcast <laughs> done. <laughs> Check. So right, I appreciate we, being able to go first and pick that song. We, we may awesome. continue with the podcast. Otherwise, we might, we might <laughs> as have an had actual to start album, over. As an actual album, it's got a very, very good intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I sure. mean, I like the whole thing, but... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think there's a lot more we can add, right? I think we're good with that. No, I don't think anybody has any arguments there. Yeah, just yeah. The, yeah. one of my favorite songs ever. We'll be yeah. talking about another one of them very yeah. soon. But, yeah, <laughs> right. That's and, uh, uh, that's a great yeah. song. I mean, I, listen. I, at the time, I don't recall he, having ever heard anything like it. It was it was mind blowing to all of us that that heard that song and it left a big impression for sure. So yeah, yeah. and would just say that. It's yeah, it's the song that when people ask what is my favorite song of all time, that's what I say, which says a lot. So not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's uh move on to uh Mr. Jeff Bailey. Okay. Well, I, I said I, I, I said to the guys uh in advance this was actually quite easy for me because I'm fairly sure that there's a number of bands that they won't even go near. Um and uh we move from a song that is known as ACOS by the fans to an album where the fans of this band refer to the album as AOS and it is the album Afraid of Sunlight by Marillion. Uh, 1995 follow-up to their concept album Brave and influenced by lots of things that whole album at the time um, not so much a, co- a hard concept album but um, sort of influenced by the the running theme of kind of the raging bull theme of someone not coping, people not coping with fame, and, and I suppose influenced a lot by probably one of the iconic figures of the of the 90s, Kurt Cobain, who, who had taken his own life about a year before. And the track I'm going to pick from that album is a track called King, I don't even know how many of the guys, I know some of the guys here would be familiar with it, but it's uh, kind of a reflection on the James Dean, Elvis, Kurt Cobain, King of Pop type world where um, someone reaches the pinnacle, but actually finds that getting there is, is empty. And, um, you know, sadly that, you know, that story is, is something that we associate with the 1990s it's brilliantly and sensitively executed uh in a dynamic track uh with a fantastic ending a credible vocal performance by steve hogarth um and so yeah something from that album had to be in here for me and i think that's the one So I, I for sure expected Marillion from you. I thought you'd go brave. So were you mm. was that a consideration to go for because that's sort of considered the album the the quintessential nineties album think, for them, isn't it? I think the thing about Brave is that it for me it's hard to pick bits out of it because it is the kind of concept y narrative thing. Um whereas I think King with well, Afraid of Sunlight being a more standalone alone songs type album. Um, and that's probably 
my favorite Merlion song. Sorry, at least this week, it's my favorite Merlion <laughs> song. All right, uh, yeah, cool, awesome, great. We got Merlion oh. very early out of the way, so we're. I'm go- I'm a, I'm upset. I don't get to pick Merlion on this podcast. And so <laughs> you, you can you can go and listen to the song afterwards, Callan. Hear what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, great. So that leaves me in a great position to uh, pick. Um, you know, possibly one of my all-time favorite bands, uh, if not my favorite band, which is uh, Bee Gees, um, uh, Nir- not Nirvana, uh, Spock's Def Beard. Leopard, Spock's ah. Beard, and I'm gonna go with uh, the very first song, uh, "The Light," yeah. and uh, how can you not the album that started it all? And I actually, you know, we've talked about it a million times on this podcast in different forums. I mean, it's not the first album or song that I heard, uh, but uh, in going back real quick uh, after discovering the band, um, you know, listen to this album and it just is, it's, I mean, it's amazing and broke ground in every which way and break, you know, channeling stuff from the classic era of, you know, Genesis and yes and everything and do it and flipping it on its head and bringing it uh, in a real modern way. That was really cool and interesting and different. And um, to this day, I mean, those, those first six albums uh, with Neil are just perfection for me, but I got to go with, uh, you know, the light. The, the only annoying thing is that I didn't discover it until the nineties were almost over. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, so it, it still counts, it came out around 95 and, um, yeah, so Spock's Beard Delight, which I think, again, probably uniformly okay with everybody here. Yep. I mean, a song that I knew would end up in the album without me picking it, so that gave me great liberty yeah. to choose yeah. other other things. Interestingly, to I've I've I mean I've I've seen Neil lots of times. I never saw I've, apart from uh, Snow, I've never actually seen him with Spock's beard, and so I've never heard I've never heard that song performed live by Neil. Fun fact. Whereas I guess most of you probably have through Morse Fest or Cruise. Well, the pro- the et cetera. The the greatest part for people like myself that had hadn't seen Spock's with Neil and that's your favorite band and all of that, that on the progression of the sea cruise, watching him do the light with the rest of the band was, that was the peak moment yeah. of the So of not, the not only we, we got to watch that one live, but we got to watch it twice in one year. Mm. Right. True. So, uh, all right. So that we're flying here. We're doing good. Uh, let's see who's next. All right, Dan. What you got? Okay, so the first pick was Dream Theater. The second one was Marillion. The third one was Foxbeard. So we got three out of four Transatlantic, and we got the fourth one right now. We're going <laughs> Stardust We Are. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I got my CDs here in the 90s. I think it's the decade of the CDs, and it's also my decade. And I think <laughs> one of the – also with me was born the Flower Kings. We're born. I was going uh, to say this is this is because you were on the seventies and eighties podcast despite not having been born. <laughs> I wasn't on the eighties one, right. but yeah, I was in the seventies. Very. 
but yeah, Jeff, I think there, we started this. We are Jeff. Uh, there was no prog in the forties. Sorry, you know we what? can't do anything. Um, <laughs> I was listening to that today. Actually, uh, that song's just so awesome. Yeah, I think it's probably my favorite by them, and there there are a lot of good picks from Flower Kings in the nineties. But this song has like the best themes, and it's such an emotional track. It's a, it's really a journey, like all of their epics. But I, I think if I if I was to pick one moment from it, it would be like the middle piano solo section, which is like one of the most beautiful things ever. And in general, it's just one of those like very uplifting songs that makes you feel good. Um, a classic for sure. And if we're picking one from the 90s, I was I thought about picking Humanissimo, the the big one from Roy Solo, the, the Flower King. But I think this one fits better for the ultimate album, so I'm yeah. going with it. that's the one I would have picked. I mean, that song's, uh, that song's amazing. And you know, what's yeah. interesting, there's parts in there that totally sound like transatlantic. And if you, you know, if you were listening to transatlantic at the time when it first came out and you're like, some of it sounds unfamiliar, it was from the flower Kings. Like it's right from there. You can hear it. The yeah. If you're just putting a machine, flower Kings and Spock's beard and fuse them, you, you'll get transatlantic. Yeah. And that part of the DNA is very apparent with this song and album and everything they wrote about around that time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Well, this is actually going <laughs> really well so far. Uh, all right. No one's, uh, Vic. No one's fallen out yet. No, let's go, Vic. Well, you know, it, it's uh, kind of being uh, the the metal guy of the You've group. got a big pain of salvation now. It's the fifth. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, or, way to go. Or, or, or I could go, or I could go with uh, Enchant if right, I was, was going to follow that. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going uh, out of the, the, the box, as you would say. Um, I think one of the, uh, one of the significant things, and we were talking about this earlier, is you know a lot of us were metal fans before we really got into Prague. Dream Theater brought in, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jeff. Dream Theater yeah, brought in the, um, you know, the, the metal with with Prague, and uh, but there was still a way to get heavier. And so the next band that I'm picking, um, they just, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of musicians, you know, look to this band because they're just so insanely crazy in everything they do. They're the godfathers of the gent subgenre within Prague, and of course I'm talking about Meshiga. Wow. And um, I am picking a song out of their 1995 album destroy erase improve the song is future breed machine it's the first song on the album and you know it is you know even then with how heavy they were and just all the polyrhythms and just all the down tuning of the guitars um you know that really you know you, you can hear the influence that those guys had in a lot of the bands that came in the 2000s and up to now and uh you know it's to keep the variety, which I love about, you know, Prague is that you got somebody like Marillion or the Flower Kings and then you got Meshiga with a track in here. So that's, that's who I picked for my first one. And uh, Prague metal and gent is now represented. <laughs>
Nice. Is that a is that a ballad? <laughs> for, for, for them, yeah, there's no ballad. nice little love song. Yeah, no, that's a. So, I mean, solid pick. Yeah. There. What's what was always funny for me about the name, and how you say it, how I guess maybe they pronounce it Meshuga, but in actual Hebrew, maybe Dan knows this, but Meshuga. Yeah, means, Meshuga yeah. means crazy. Yeah. And oh, that's an okay. actual word. And I always thought, well, that's a great name for a metal band. <laughs> so guys yeah. from Sweden named their band. I mean, is that, is it, I guess the, the Hebrew spelled differently. It's just phonetically sounds like. Yeah. Meshuga. I mean, you, you, you know, you're using a different script or whatever, if it's in Hebrew, but if you were going to write it in English, that's kind of how it would look. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty much. Even with the H at the end. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'll give a quick shout out to Thomas Hawk, the drummer. I, I think I ended up picking him or maybe he was like an honorable mention when we did the best drummers. And I had that middle era and you, you talked to drummers actually on Drumio this past week, they had a thing on someone breaking down uh, one of his classic drum parts. And he has had a huge influence on that genre on the gent genre in general, but doing uh, this type of beat on his feet, but uh, yeah, good pick. I like that Vic. Yeah. It's, you know, it was, it was, I was going to pick something from that album or from their other album from the nineties chaos Fear. Chaos Fear, if you want to hear some insane polyrhythms that when you listen to it, it is so offbeat that it is tense because you can't find that backbeat because they're just all over the place. So that's one of, I love that album, but I think for a representation of their influence and what they do, that's why I went with that song. Yeah. But, uh, I think that's super cool because it's not Dream Theater. It's not Queen's Drake. It's not Fates Warning. You went, you definitely picked that from over here. But I think it's a perfect, uh, yeah, you got to have a good mix because that's what Prague is. And throughout the 90s, that's when Prague really kind of exploded from the lighter side to the super heavy side. And Meshuggah is about as heavy as you can get. Yeah. Good choice. Right on. Thank you, sir. All right, Kyle, you're up. All right. So I'm going to pick something. I'm glad it's still here. I was worried that Vic was going to pick this. I got to get one of these, like, you know, legacy picks and bands that I feel like someone else is going to take. So uh, I'm going to pick a band with a song, uh, the definition of which is a fundamental change in approach or underlying assumptions. And I think it's fun to pick songs that I really like, and this is one that I really like, but it's also good to pick songs that I think represent a significant change in the genre or a significant moment as it pertains to Prague in general. So this is going to be a paradigm shift by mm. Liquid Tension Experiment. Nice. Um, so as as a little, you know, snot nosed kid that was into Metallica and then from Metallica somehow found Dream Theater. And then immediately after hearing Dream Theater got into Liquid Tension, I remember putting the CD on and of course it just explodes. And so at the time that was like the apex of drumming, like that was as good as drumming could ever be. And then Mike Portnoy had a uh, drum te technique video that I watched. I don't know, a hundred times or something. And he breaks down the science of this and the kind of the math of this. And there is a certain math obviously to progressive rock and certainly math rock and all these sorts of sub genres of Prague. But uh, the way that liquid tension does kind of math rock, it's still cool and it still has a groove to it. And I think that's why I really appreciate Mike Portnoy's drumming is, is that even though it's complicated and it's technical, it still has kind of at its base, like 60s, 70s, 80s, classic rock. And it has a vibe and it has a groove. And I think that's why, you know, for me, he's one of my favorite drummers because it's the uh, same reason I like Ringo and the same reason I like John Bonham. It's these drummers that the way they play, it, it, it moves you, let's say. And so Liquid Tension is just sort of the next step. And obviously from Liquid Tension 
came the next couple decades of Dream Theater as well. So uh, it's an important song. I love the song and uh, my favorite song on that first album. remember the shock of hearing the song for the first time just you know you knew who the musicians were but when you just popped it in and immediately you get that wall of and you're just you know enjoying it and going for a roller coaster ride that went from zero to 60 in half a second and uh that was uh and that's where it started and you listen to the rest of of their stuff and oh that was great love the pick uh yeah. that's one one of the bands that is on on my list um i knew it can't, can't argue with that one nice chat <laughs> were you nice. were you considering maybe when the water breaks or or one of the other that. songs that, that i was wondering so about I, which way to go there i have two songs for liquid tension and those are the two uh but for me you know you could pick either one they're both great i think those are the two i guess and there's a couple others that float around in there but for me paradigm shift being the first song and just you know, yeah. you have certain I think, musical I think it memories makes sense and as a choice. Yeah. yeah. Whenever so, you're playing so, like crazy prog prog metal stuff for your friends, you know, <laughs> exactly. You put on Paradigm Shift or Acid Rain, one of those, and it's just like check this out, and their heads are ripped mm -hmm. off. So that's Jeff, perfect. What are you saying? Uh, Kyle, you're a Mike Portnoy fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> here and there. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's my he's my connection point to prog. He's he's the reason I'm sitting here. You know, yeah. as it were. Same. So yeah. Sitting where? Uh, well, I'm here to, in, in my. Did well, he drive you to work? The next, <laughs> the next podcast, he might be doing it behind one of Mike's drum sets, which is which you have. Oh, to that'd be cool. Point. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, all it's right. So a, so round one. Background. Round one to recap. <laughs> yeah. To recap, uh, we went uh, Dream Theater, Change of Seasons, Merlion King, Spock's Beard, Delight, Flower King, Stardust, We Are. Meshiga, uh, Future Breathe Machine, and Liquid Tension Experiment Paradigm Shift. So that's a solid first round. Now things get tricky. Now now let's see what happens because it yeah. might go all over the place. So KG, back to you. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, so there's a great band out of very rural Pennsylvania. And how many of you guys, just, just you guys on here, how many of you guys were familiar, are familiar with the band Echolin? Yeah. Okay. All right. Wasn't you know we go to they, they go make to... an appearance in my book, which Indeed. is available That's on progreport.com a... as an ebook now. Your book. <laughs> Lots of great. Oh, everyone has one of them. We, we yeah. should do one of those things. You know where somebody goes. <laughs> we all hold it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Echolin came out in the I think '91 was their first release, and uh, by the mid '90s they'd put out a couple records that were just brilliant and for all the like big big trains and riversides and like, sort of that level of prog bands i i just don't feel like echolin ever got that level of respect they're still around it's still the same five guys it's very american prog um they kind of took what gentle giant did in the 70s and really made that their thing with all the crazy vocal stuff going on the classical instrumentation and um so my pick my song pick the band is amazing the song pick is the title track to As the World, which came out in 95. Um, 
I was working at Sony Music at the time, and a, a friend of mine said, hey, we, we just signed this band called Echolin, a prog, prog band. And I got an advance of it. I was just like, where have these guys been? Where has this type of music been? Because again, in 95, Prague was just start, starting to kind of become a thing and, and you know, really explode. Um, but to me, they were the epitome of uh, the alternative to the alternative. So for some of you younger guys, you know, in the 90s, alternative and grunge was like the thing. And that was the flavor of the week. You had Smashing Pumpkins, you had Oasis, you had all that kind of stuff, Pearl Jam. And they were all dubbed alternative music. But then you had a band like Echolin come out and go, this is so far from what's on the radio right now. Oh my gosh, just blew your mind. So I made it my goal when I was at Sony to, to try to make this, you know, break this band. But unfortunately out of the entire company, it was me and one other guy, <laughs> my, Michael Kaplan, who was the guy that signed them to the label, yeah. who's also a Morsefest attendee. Um, but unfortunately they just never really broke. I did every, I can't tell you how many hours I spent trying to promote and market this band. Um, but I'll read you one of the, and why I chose the title track to as the world. These are some of the lyrics. I could have picked probably any song from that record, but, uh, one of the verses says it's too easy to be in with a hairstyle. It's too easy to go with the flow. It's hard to see through a haze of popularity to shake your head as the world just nods away. And it's all about, you know, not conforming, not going in with a trend or, you know, what's popular in music right now. And that's, that's what, that's why we love Prague, right guys. I mean, that's, that's what the whole genre is about. So totally. uh, I, I think we got to give Echolin some props when you're talking about an ultimate nineties compilation. Like I said, the band's still around. They're still um, doing albums. They still tour occasionally. Um, but as the world title track, that's uh, awesome, essential nineties prog to me. Pick. Hey. I mean, that is a really great album. I mean, to to be one of the only bands in that, in this kind of genre at that time to get discovered by a major label and get that opportunity is sort of amazing that they're the band that that happened with. And it's um, such a great record. It just it was one of those records where every song, to me anyway, was a classic. And I thought, this is it. This is going to break these guys. And now, yeah. you know, a couple decades later, they're still sort of a fringe prog band, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. Great band. Also, uh, Brett crawled the uh, uh, the singer. Uh, he he did sign with Sony again with the uh, another guy, uh, J JP. I forget his name. Right. Um, called Rise Twain, and right. they had an album out last year, which is a little bit more folksy kind of stuff. Yep. But but like actually cool still stuff. really cool. Yep. So or, you know, check that out. Uh, okay, uh, Jeff, your second pick. Hmm. Well, no. Um. Okay, my second pick is going to feature let me see um yeah well at least one musician who already has featured on our podcast today um same year as my last one 1995 um which was when king crimson came back and king crimson came back in 1995 as a double trio um, which was robert fripp and adrian Ballou on guitars um, Tony Levin from Liquid Tension Experiment and lots of other things and Tony Levin and Trey Gunn um, on bass type guitars and Bill Bruford and Pat Mastelotto, uh on uh, drums and various uh, battery 
And uh, yeah, the track I'm going to go for, uh, I mean, this, this is a, uh, I don't know if you guys know the album Thrack, um, but it's a pretty heavy album in places with some lightness uh, on sort of the more Adrian Ballou poppy side. But the track Vroom, which is the one that kicks it off, uh, sort of digs into the the red sort of era of King Crimson and probably the stuff that, I mean, the joke is I don't like the heavier stuff, but actually red by King Crimson and some of those things probably influenced an awful lot of of kind of what came after it. And this was, I suppose, that that lineup returning to that kind of sound. Um, you know, very it's a very clever arrangement with lots of dynamics. It's got great time signature, uh, interplay. Um, and yeah, there's a later on in the track in the album, there's a track called Vroom Vroom, which uh repeats some of the themes from it. Um, but a really cool instrumental features for all the all of the um instrumentalists on it and just really uh yeah one of my favorite king crimson tracks so vroom from wasn't that one of the albums uh on progress last year it was it was. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember listening to it a lot. I, I love that album. It's a great, great album. Actually, one of the one of the King Crimson albums that I actually do enjoy. Um, <laughs> I, I like I like Dinosaur. That's really cool. Kind of Adrian Ballou, weird, yeah. weird song. Very cool song. Uh, cool. Jeff, you're really yeah. you're filling the spot of the Marillion King Crimson guy perfectly today. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I, I knew nobody else would pick them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but respect. That's a, that's a great album. M song. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Let's let's move on to the next Dream Theater related track. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is always there when you need him. You I know? got uh, I got a few different ways to go, and uh, it's it's tough. It gets gets real tricky. Um, but I'm gonna go uh, very late '90s '99. I had not yet discovered this band, um, but I'm going to go Porcupine Tree from the Stupid Dream album, um, which was is sort of the first album of full, long, uh, like actual songs, you know, lyrics in, in every song. I think it has like 12 songs, and it's the first real attempt at a, at a real sort of normal record, not, not kind of weird instrumental stuff and all that kind of stuff that he was doing in the early 90s. Um, not my favorite Porcupine Tree album, but still an amazing, amazing record. And he's really first starting to tap into the sound that would become the stuff you'd hear on Lightbulb Sun and In Absentia and, and stuff that came later. But I'm going to pick sort of a weird song off that album that I don't think maybe is one they've played live much or if ever. I'm not even sure. It's on towards the later half of the record. It's called A Smart Kid. And uh, love that song. I almost went Stranger by the Minute. But because uh, that's kind of one of my favorite songs by them, too. But I think a smart kid is more representative of what Porcupine Tree is and what they would sound like. Um, so, uh, yeah. Are you guys familiar with that song? I'm not sure if that's yep. one that I mean, Jeff, yep. yeah, I imagine you would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just love that. I think it's it's really cool. And it has that. That's one know. of the few songs from that era that kind of sounds like they would do now. Right. That's if what I'm saying. Ahead. Yeah. It, yeah. It, so it, it totally makes sense. Come again, I fear. Can we 
so, I thought you were probably going to go with something from Signify, but that's a great pick. Uh, yeah, I thought about that. I feel like Sig I've, I've mentioned Signify in other podcasts for some reason. I thought we mm -hmm. haven't really talked about this album much, but uh, this is this has always been one of my favorite songs by them. That's very kind of under the radar there. So, yeah, smart kid. Absol brilliant album. And uh, I mean, Signify was um, was the first album that I heard at the time it came out and that was mostly actually through um kind of connecting to it through Marillion stuff but um that album was very different and uh, even less you know the track that opens it up it was really is one of my favorite porcupine tree songs but again the whole, even less from like uh, oh, yeah the oh, first okay. song um uh, yeah that whole album has has fantastic moments yeah i mean I, uh... I nearly put it on the on the list and then i thought royal probably pick it <laughs> not that particular yeah. track the lab of sun that. is 2000 right light bulb sun is the one that came after yeah no yeah. even less i he, he meant um stupid dream light bulbs oh, even, okay, less is yeah. on, even less is on stupid dream it's the first yeah, song on that. sorry um yeah but there's a lot of great stuff on there tinto brass and uh piano lessons is really piano weird lessons, and, yeah uh, babe, this is called Baby Dream in Cellophane. It's another mm -hmm. it's a completely weird, weird song title, but a great song. All right, so uh, good. We got we got Porcupine Tree out of the way. Uh, Dan, you're up. Oh, it's me already. All right. So let's go back to the heavy side. My next pick's gonna be Opeth, Still Life. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So we gotta sneak this one in. I think this album is criminally overlooked. It's a top three Opeth album for me really uh yeah really yeah and that's a i i know that's a hot take and unpopular opinion but to me i go ghost reveries pale communion and this one uh and this album is a riff machine you can you have so many a, a big variety of riffs and they're powerful in the guitar duets it's if you want to go like hey i want to listen to the craziest michael wickerfeld riffs you just go for still life because it's just quality stuff and I know that's different from a lot of the other picks. It's probably closer to, to Vic's Meshuga pick. Um, but I'm going to go with the lightest, not the lightest, but the second lightest song in the album, which is Face of Melinda. There were a couple ways for me to go with this one. My personal favorite would be to go with The More or probably White Cluster, one of those longer songs, more epic, that kind of represent Opeth very well. But I think face of melina does that too because it starts off very light and it's more on the melody side and then halfway through it becomes another whole different song but the very strong riff a very strong vocal melodies and all that and the ending is just fantastic fantastic with the fade out so this is a, a very i know a lot of people don't like Opeth because of death metal vocals and i'm one of those people that don't really love that metal death metal vocals but Opeth is the rare exception to the rule for me. But Face of Melinda is a song that has none. It's just straight up clean vocals. So I think everyone should listen to that one and, and try if you don't know. It's one of their classic songs. They play it, they played it a lot live and it's a very popular, great, beautiful track.
Damn, that's a brilliant pick. Yeah. Because overall, overall that album, I would not have, I, I really didn't even consider it for this list, but specifically that song. I think that's great because yeah, that you're talking about if you, if you look way ahead, that's where the, the roots were already taking yep. place back then. And, and listen for, for a metal guy, that album and the riffs and the speed and the, oh, it's so yeah. nice job, it, man. It's very yeah, impressive. If, the whole. If, if I'm in an Opeth mood, that's, that's a go-to for sure. That's great pick, man. Yeah. Good. Proud. Nice. <laughs> yeah, a few of us know know that song and that album. Nice. Um, I do I know thought, that album song. I know that song. That's that, good. That's how you yeah, right. Yes. Oh man, I, I get that I, reference. When, I, when I'm in an Opeth mood, I <laughs> actually I'm, I'm never in an Opeth mood. <laughs> you unbutton the top button on your shirt. Yeah. He doesn't wear an undershirt. He doesn't wear an undershirt when he's in an Opeth mood. You know. Take take him directly to the ER if he's in an Opeth mood. Something's wrong. <laughs> He's tried. I've witnessed him trying to be in an open. I've bought this. I've got CDs here. Yeah. And you I listen try. to them when? When Dan when? asked. No, yeah. I remember. I vividly remember asking him to listen to Harley King Forest. And I was like, dude, this is one of the best songs ever made. You've got to love it. It's amazing. <laughs> Not Look at that. the drums. And Jeff's like, eh, it doesn't do much for me. Typical <laughs> <laughs> Jeff fashion. Uh, all right, I like Vic. what I like. Yep. what's your what's your next pick well uh i'm enjoying all the new bands that are that have gone on this second round and i'm i'm gonna follow suit with uh you know a band that that does not have really any ties to anything that we've spoken about so far this is a band that you can almost argue that they're their own category when they first started coming out with their stuff which was in the early 90s they they weren't grunge they were heavy but they weren't pantera they they really didn't have you know much of as far as you know really fast stuff but they were just dark and heavy i'm talking about tool uh you know i'm not so sure if at the time any of us would have labeled them as prog but as time has gone on just they've been so far ahead and so different in everything that they do um you know they have two albums in in the 90s that i just kept on going back and forth i was tempted to go with their first single which was uh uh, you know, was sober from undertow, but you know, that, that would just not be proggy enough. Not and since enough. this is a, is this proggy, I'm actually, and, uh, and confession because I always read it and I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it anima? I think how anima, we, right? Anima? How do we, I've, heard, just, yeah, I've an, heard, I've heard it both ways. Man. I, don't, I don't know what the final, well, yeah, you know, well, anyways, a band that has prison sex as a title for a song, so Enema kind of fits I think it's in. Enema. With... <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so from from Enema, I picked uh, their opening song, Stink Fist. It's just you know it it's got it's got tension. It's got it's a good heavy. description of a prog concert. Stink Fest. As yeah, Stink Fists are apt to do. Jeff Bailey it's, is rolling over in his grave. It's got tension. <laughs> Well, if, you know, yeah. we need to do, I, I need one of those uh, virtual effects <laughs> that blows Jeff up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is turning the color of the curtain behind him right now. Yeah. Dan, um, you got to help me do that. I'm serious. We have to do no, that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> it, it will happen. <laughs> and then can he sit there for the rest of the selection with no head? Just, and just, just beheaded. Yeah. <laughs> Sing fest. <laughs> <laughs>
Can I raise a practical question at this point to quote the great Derek Smalls? And I don't, sorry, Vic, I don't want to interrupt you, but I mean, at the t- and uh, sorry, Kyle, probably someone who might be KG might be closer to this. I mean, did, at the time, did were those bands considered to be prog? And I'm not making the argument of what is and what isn't prog, but my memory of the 90s wouldn't be Meshuggah, Tool, Opeth. I mean, they were like, you know, death um, metal. I, you know, I'm with you. I, no, no, I, I'm with you. I never considered Tool prog. To, to me, they were a metal grunge band. If I can. yeah, that's that's a good description but, because they they were in that era, you know. During none of my friends liked Tool, and nope. we all liked Dream Theater and Queensrÿche right. and Fate's Warning. None of us liked Tool. Everyone that I knew that liked Tool liked Nirvana and Pearl Jam right. and all right. that. So I that was that camp for me. I think because of the technical playing and because they're such good musicians, they get the prog people like them. That's sort right. of they, they were they were prog adjacent in my mind, but you know, just Danny Carey's drumming alone made yeah. them prog. Uh, all like, of them. Wow, the how's he coming is, up? Yeah, it's crazy good. So it's stellar, yeah. You but know, I, I, was, at the time, I didn't. I wouldn't have considered him prog. But looking back, I go, oh yeah, it's quite a bit of proggy stuff going on. He was playing double kick riffs, you know. So that's why I I wasn't a fan of the grunge stuff, uh, but I was a fan, I and mean, I am a fan of Tool because of just. You know, it, it's they, they were so different, and they were so heavy, and they were so technical. Um, so, and then they were dark, and they were just different. So that's, I mean, I'll I'll say Tool is absolutely prog. I mean, by by any, if they were less popular, they'd be more likely to be called prog. I feel like. So yeah, I think they're I think just. It's the same argument that's used against Pink Floyd. Well, they're a classic rock band. Well, they're only classic rock because they're hugely famous. They're definitely a prog it, it's band. It's the mainstream but, argument. Um, Sorry, I mean I'm, tool. I'm, I'm a- tool on. Well, I just say this on forty six and two would have been my pick uh, for Minima. I, but Stink Fist is a is a great song, and I, I always giggle saying the names of these songs yeah. on Enema Stink Fist. But forty six and two has you know four four and seven eight, and then there's sections of like nine eight and five eight, and like they're they're absolutely prog from yeah. a technical and a time signature standpoint. Absolutely. And then like lyrically, what they're getting at is is right in line with that. But they were on MTV and they had weird stop motion animation videos. Yeah. And so they, they kind of caught into the sort of stoner grunge vibe thing. But they're way out there as a band and they're super popular. So I, I like the, I like to the pick. But there's you could tell there's an inf- influence on a lot of artists, you know, that they just oh, absolutely, you know, they, they're just a popular choice. Well, a lot of the mo- more modern, newer bands are i mean you can definitely hear the influence from tool so so yeah no i think i mean you're talking about 90s you gotta i think the mention of tool is totally yep. Yep. reasonable and, and, you know. and just to be clear i'm not i mean i'm not suggesting that they yeah. are or they aren't i'm just saying at the time my memory yeah. of those no bands, i agree I, I don't think have, that's wrong that wouldn't have been the label what um, you know lyric? van gogh wasn't appreciated in his time so <laughs> you know, neither was van gogh good. um <laughs> van gogh Van Gogh. Uh, what? What? Just lyrically, what is what is Stink Fist about? <laughs> so we're gonna yeah. have an extra episode so, breakdown. So, so Jeff, let's, think, let's Jeff, Stink Fist. think think who you're asking this to. Somebody that doesn't care what the yeah, lyrics. Yeah, no. What, what are. lines so, from the lyrics? No Finger clue. Deep, I don't want to know. Line. I don't there's, want to know. Lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's let's move on then. All right. Uh, Kyle, you're like your second pick. Um, man, I'm excited. I'm getting to make my picks uh, that I wanted to make. 
You're welcome. And so this is great. And I'm going to go with another band that at the time definitely wasn't seen as a prog band. And I don't know that they're still seen as a prog band, but I'm taking this of the mindset of songs. And maybe I didn't have to take it this way, but I like to pick songs from a certain decade that it has turned out looking back have had a huge impact on prog progressive rock. And I think a song that is progressive is progressive, whether the band intended to write it as a progressive rock song or not. Um, and so a song that I think is quintessential for the 90s decade uh, from that regard is Paranoid Android by Radiohead. Uh, so okay. this, is 19, this is 1997. Jeff, is your head exploding again? My head exploded again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I remember listening to this as a kid and loving it. And it had a cool animated video. And I actually loved Karma Police more like as just a standalone song. But uh, go back and listen to Paranoid Android and you'll hear Amazing. the next 20 years of progressive rock, at least a portion of it on that track. And so I think in that moment, you know, they talk about how it's like the Sergeant Peppers for the digital age or whatever you want to say, but they did really find a way to take alternative and pop rock and mix that with electronica and create something new. Um, and so obviously they did it with a song that's got four distinct sections that is syncopated in the way that Radiohead is really great at doing. Um, I mean, it's got a choir in it, it's cinematic, it's got tempo changes, and it's just six minutes. And so it, to me, it feels like if it were written by a prog band, a thousand percent, it would be on every list of the greatest you know, 90s prog rock songs. But it happens to be written by Radiohead, uh, who certainly would hate that we're discussing them right now, which makes me enjoy discussing them. Uh, so that's that's my pick. I'm not the biggest Radiohead guy, but I got to watch them a couple of years ago. And for all of the concert, that was the one moment that was like, hey, that's pretty cool. That's <laughs> so, yeah. amazing. I, I'm a big uh, fan of that album. I always, even back when it came out, uh, I started listening to it then at the recommendation of, of a friend and, and I was really impressed. I was really into that album and the bands uh, before that. Uh, for a period, it, I, it's not a band that I listen to often because I sort of got past that. I don't know if it's on. I like it. Um, I don't like a lot of the stuff that came after uh, OK Computer, but yeah, totally. That's a great album and a, it's just a really cool song. A very original. I mean, bands that were popular, yep. that were that were alternative rock, were just, were not doing stuff that cool um, when that album came out. They were really stretching because. If you had trouble liking stuff like Smashing Pumpkins and things like that, you could put on this album and go, okay, there is there's someone trying to do something interesting that's cool, that works. And that's Wait, I, I like Smashing that. Pumpkins. What are you talking about? Can we They've got some some turn prog off his elements mic. Too. Turn off his mic. Can we turn off his mic? <laughs> please, um, please. Okay. Blow him up. Uh, <laughs> all right, so second round uh was was it more interesting, right? We had uh, Echo Lynn as the world, King Crimson Room. Porcupine Tree, Smart Kid, Opeth, Face of Melinda, Tool, Stink Fist, and Radiohead, Paranoid Android. I feel like we went almost alternative with the second round. It was That's kind sad. of, kind of uh, weird. 
All right. Well, Jeff and um, Jeff insulted us for being Mike Portnoy adjacent picks. So yeah. there you go, Jeff. Uh, all right, uh, KG, your third pick. There's still a third drawing to go. And final pick. <laughs> True. Uh, third and final. Three. You you better go with this band. That, that, oh my god. Otherwise, that, they might not get picked on this yeah, thing. Yeah, there's. So I'm just the, you. you gotta pick. Come on, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> time, every no time fear. any I'm podcast no that I'm on, I always mention you because of this band. No pressure. The heart, my, you're in my heart, my brother. You're in my heart. Fate's warning. Yay! Yay. Yeah, Woo! Yeah, you have to. You have to, man. There, there's the, the big three of prog metal, of course, Dream Theater, Queen Drake, and Fate's Warning. And the heavier side of prog would absolutely not be there, including Dream Theater, if it wasn't for the origins of Fate's Warning. So you get into the 90s, Parallels was definitely, and still is, was their most commercially uh, successful record. They had you know, videos on MTV, they had great radio play. Great record, love it, can't pick it, too obvious. Um, the follow-up to that in 94 was uh, Inside Out. Not as successful, but I personally love that record. I would go with probably any song off that record as well. But... You have to go, if you're talking about 90s prog and you're talking about just progressive rock in general, you have to go with A Pleasant Shade of Grey, 1997. And the beauty, gentlemen, the beauty of this is I don't have to pick a song. Right. It's one song. It's 54 <laughs> minutes long. I called yeah. it. It's glorious. We broke a record with our ultimate it's, 90s album it, now. It, it's, yeah. I, I would like to say just of my three picks alone, I added them up. Just my three picks are 82 minutes worth of music. <laughs> they don't fit on one CD. Yeah, it's a double album already. But, you know, and, and the thing is, like, obviously, long songs are a hallmark of Prague and everything. I wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, let me just find the longest songs. Those just, A Change of Seasons and, and A Pleasant Shade of Grey are two of my favorites. Um, Pleasant Shade of Grey is, it's almost perfection. It's moody, it's atmospheric, it's heavy, it's really mellow, it's ambient. Um, Jim Matheos wrote the whole track you know, the mastermind of, of Fate's Warning. But Ray Alder, the vocals on that record, it's kind of like, for as emotional as Ray's voice is, and if you're, if you're a Fate's fan, you know what I mean? It's like Ray just took his voice, put it in a wet towel, and just, just wrung every drop of emotion out of his voice into that record. Um, you had Kevin, the return of Kevin Moore on keyboards. You know, he left Dream Theater, Dream Theater a couple of years before to go off and do, you know, amp atmospheric, ambient stuff. He came back and played on that record. Um, you had Joey Vera, who was the bass player for Armored Saint, kind of a traditional uh, metal metal band. He joined Fates at that time and showed that he's like a he's a real prog guy. So the combination of all that and then Mark Zonder's drumming. If you're a drum fan, a prog drum fan at all, it's a masterclass of progressive rock drumming uh, amongst many many high water points in in Mark's drumming. Uh, a Pleasant Shade of Grey is amazing. So. That has to be included in this era. Um, I guess if you had to pick one section of that 54 minute track, part 11 would be the one because that just kind of represents the whole record. But um, awesome, awesome song, not album, song. And uh, you, you guys hey, definitely need to, need to spend Kyle, 54 Kyle minutes. Kyle came strong to it. with the podcast choice.
makes me so happy. That's <laughs> one of my favorite picks, and I'm so glad you picked all of it. That's all great. of it. Yeah. One song, man. All right. Yeah, that's Kyle. Right Kyle, there. we're gonna try to squeeze all your picks onto one mini disc. Okay. <laughs> so, in, in the honor of the '90s, so <laughs> mini disc. Nice reference. Wow. Nice. All right. Uh, nice way to kick off round three. Jeff, where are you going with this one? Mm, where am I going? He has no head now, though. I've got two ways to go, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I think I think this has. My other choice is a song that I really, really like, and it's one of my favorites from the 1990s. But I'm not going to include it because I think there's a song that we really need to have in here that we haven't got in here. Possibly, possibly, the most commercially successful prog-related song of the 1990s. I would suggest. Um, hmm. trying to number, see if I have something no, that would qualify for that on my list. Number Radiohead. one, number one in the U.S. mainstream rock chart. Number thirty-four in the U.K. singles chart. Uh, when Cher's "Shoop Shoop" song was uh, nearing the top of the charts, this was lurking in the thirties. Um, it's a uh, ballad, like the Mashuga track, sort of, sort of a par <laughs> ballad. So quite, quite nineteen nineties. Um, hmm. but it is Queensryche, wow. Silent Lucidity. Ah, oh, good. All right. I'm so I'm shocked um, that's your pick, but I love it. I'm it's, very shocked. Well, dude. It, well, I, why why is that shocking to you? Well, you've never you've never <laughs> been like a Queensryche fan that I know. I totally was a Queen. I, I totally was a Queensryche fan at the time of Mind Crime and the time of Empire. After that, I I sort of tailed off, but I absolutely loved the Empire album. And yeah. that, you know, that that song was an album. That song was one that had huge profile at the time. Lots and lots of people who would never have heard heard of Queensrÿche um, would have heard of it. And and you know, I, I I felt it was a really really good representation of the band. I think Jeff Tate's vocal on it is just absolutely incredible. Um, Michael Kamen's strings very much echoing, um, you know, comfortably numb and you know not shying away from it but you know just that beautiful nylon uh you know nylon string guitar intro right through to the guitar solos fantastic um scott rockenfeld uh, you know we've talked about drummers but absolutely you know w one of the drummers who contributed to a lot of you know what we consider to be the the kind of the norm in prog uh nowadays i just think it's a, a beautifully produced a beautiful sounding track from start to finish and um i think i think it needs to be in here because it's just one of the biggest songs of the decade I just, Very interesting uh, choice. Can silence. I just take stun silence? <laughs> no, uh, amazing choice. Can I just check with Kyle Fagolo? Were you gonna go anybody's listening with the last track? You said no. you were gonna. Okay, I no, thought no. maybe it, Jeff might have stolen. My my final pick remains unpicked, and I hope right. it stays that way. I great pick. I love that song. I mean, who's not gonna like love that song? Yeah. So it's almost like, in some sense, it doesn't feel 
proggy enough, but you're dead right. I mean, they were about as big as prog got in the 90s, and I, I love it. You Prague know, in the radio head. What's interesting at the it's time is, tool. yeah, I remember people sort of not complaining, but pointing out the fact that, you know, they're talking about dreams. So it's very similar to what Pink Floyd had done. And for though, again, at that time, uh, I forgot who it was that mentioned, uh, you know, Pink Floyd was more of a classic rock band because they were big as opposed to Prague. So interesting, Kyle, that you say, um, you know, it's not the proggiest of songs from a band that's very influential in Prague and were prog metal pioneers themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's you can't the, win. It's well, but it's kind of yeah. like if you're doing a Kansas, you know, podcast top five, you have to pick "Carry On My Wayward Son." So this song fits in here. No, you don't. I th- we, I didn't. Think thing- <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. We didn't. I think the thing about it is for me though that uh, you know, you know, it's not, it's not prog and you know, it's not proggy in terms of it's not really, really shreddy, but complex. So many, yeah. For, no, no, so in, many in movements, the mood of it and the whole and thing. It, 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 it you know, is. it's not. You know, it's not, um, you know, an Aerosmith or a Cher par ballad. You know, it's got something. It's got a greater depth, and I mean, what I mean, we're not picking albums, but the Empire album, I think, in terms of its themes, its subject matter, the range of styles, you know, was something that was a- a- incredible. I mean, I enjoyed Mind Crime, but Empire, um, just really I didn't think of it, it as a, a as prog at the time, but I don't. I right. didn't think of anything as really prog at the time. I wasn't, you know what I mean? It, it was, was just music, yeah. It was yeah. just sort of um, yeah. a more uh, sub- substance-related kind. I mean, that's not what I'm looking for. It it had substance to it, like whereas the other hair metal stuff, right? The it wasn't the poison. 80s was yeah. wasn't good anymore. I like right. a lot of that stuff, but the stuff coming out at 89, 90, 91, it, it started to really fade, which is why it ended up going away. But I think in many ways, Queen's Queen was, was good. They were the lyrical stepping stone to Stink Fist. Like I think. <laughs> I think a lot of people think that way. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Now, Jeff, I think that's a great pick because you kind of just blew my mind because of the the four records that well, Queensrÿche had in the '90s, I definitely would. I I think of all the crazy technical progressive you know stuff that that they did. Even like they had Promised Land. They had they had a bunch of good songs on here and then Out Frontier, much more complex technical stuff, but. You blew my mind by picking this song because, like, oh man, he's right. Well, that is I, I a progressive had, song. I I had anybody's listening on my short list because I thought that might yeah. be the way to go, but no complaints. But yep. Jeff, I I gotta say there was a Genesis album, uh, and uh, and Pink Floyd that I thought maybe you might go one of those ways, and you did not. So props. Um, but it's but do you know what I mean? To me again, <laughs> you know, rep- uh, Sorry, and um, I mean my other pick was a Yes song, and you know I like all of those albums, but I, I think. You know, I don't think they were. I don't think they were. You know, genre-defining 1990s prog. I totally forgot about most of, most I totally of did not have yes today. talk on my short list, and I should. Now I'm regretting that, but I don't. Well, think si- I'm gonna pick uh, Silent Stream. The that was my that was my other. Cho- or sorry, Endless Stream. The the yeah, the Endless big Stream long track yeah. from the talk album. That's a good uh, one. Was was my was my debut. But you know what? You're right, and that's not defining 90s prog. And so, in the spirit of that. I'm going to go um, with a band that at the time, honestly, was one of the only other bands similar to Dream Theater and Queensryche that I had discovered at the time in the mid-90s that I got hooked on to. Uh, and uh, I'm going to go Enchant 
and At Death's Door from the Blueprint of the World album. Because, you know what? I was really into them at the time. They were an upstart band. They had... No, nothing going on. No, somehow I got a hold of the CD. I was really into them for a while. I still think they're a great band that doesn't get a lot of recognition. Um, and I think they were important in paving the way for a lot of the stuff that came, that came later. And they sort of kept the the flame alive there. I mean, there was you had Dream Theater, Fate's Warning. If you liked it a little heavier, Queen Drake was sort of fading by then because that was here in the now frontier period. Um, there wasn't a lot if you liked that kind of music outside of the Magna Carta stuff and uh, Enchant were actually, I thought uh, those first two records, I almost went below zero because I really liked that first song from Wounded a lot. But I think At Death's Door sort of is the Enchant song with that guitar riff and the whole thing. So uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with them. You took your part of me I never can reclaim Spirits in my heart pick i really like that pick it's a great band um underrated in in a lot of ways they they kind of get pushed off but when you listen to their stuff especially the the first two albums um you know it it really set the mark for them um it took a while for me to warm up to their music again when they came up with was it the great divide back in 2014 (laughs) they had a good comeback with that one um hoping to get some more you know because they they started doing the the cruise ship again and was hoping to, that we would get some new recorded stuff. Maybe they will, but yeah, that's a that's a fun band and great to listen to, and another representative of Transatlantic. There you go, Daniel. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah I mean, t- yeah, Tad, you know, absolutely kills it on that track. You know, really, really uh, fantastic, fantastic vocal performance through that whole album. Really. Um, yeah. Uh, cool. All right. I'm glad they got a shout. And yep. uh, Dan, where are you going with your third pick? Okay. Um, you guys remember I said I'm picking another one of my favorite songs ever, and that's the one to come right now. Um, I got right here in my hands a Japanese compilation of the best Symphony X songs in the 90s. <laughs> and I think any of these songs is an appropriate pick, right? But I'm going with the epic, The Divine Wings of Tragedy from the album, The Divine Wings of Tragedy. I'll allow and, it. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Wasn't that this in progress song. as well? Was not in progress? No, uh, it was Twilight uh, and Olympus. No, we went to a different album. Yeah, it was uh, Twilight and Olympus. Yeah. Which has Through the Looking Glass, which is also one of the greatest songs by them. But still, let's... Uh, Divine Wings of Tragedy. 19 <laughs> minute, I, I think 20, 20 minute song. It starts off with a choir, huge with some of the vocal themes and different vocals, very uh, mysterious a, a very different vibe, dark. And then it starts at Michael Romeo, which is one of the greatest guitar players of our generation. He's a very big Star Wars fan. And the the beginning of this song is inspired by, uh, I'm not a Star Wars guy, so I forgot the name of the song, but is it the Imperial March, Kyle? Yes. The yeah, Darth okay, Vader, the, the Darth yeah, Vader. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm half kidding, but but anyways, I, I just yeah. wanted to to yeah. nice. Okay, but but it's very much inspired by that, 
and then it goes into the various themes of the song. And of course, Symphony X has Russell Wallen on the, vocal, on the vocals, and he's one of the greatest voices uh, in metal and in Prague. And yeah, this song is a classic. I think Symphony X uh, usually goes unnoticed by a lot of our crew, to be honest. I am the, the sole uh, big are, fan here. You are the Symphony X guy in this group. Yeah. For sure. And, but I think they deserve as much recognition as a lot of these other bands. They were one of my personal introductions to Prague, along with Dream Theater, which we just spoke about and probably will again in just a few minutes. But uh, The Divine Wings of Tragedy is a top three song ever for me. It's one of those songs that is epic and defines epic. And that's it. Great solos, great song, great Perfect. lyrics. The, the full package. The phone call from, expect a phone call from Daniel Gildenlow any any minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny, funny thing, I thought about picking a, a Pain of Salvation song, but I think we, we, we should just let it be yeah, in the 2000s. 2000s, 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, all right, yeah, solid pick, man. Good, good Symphony X there. back together again. Yeah? You going to go see them? Uh, uh, they, they weren't uh, broken apart, but yeah. Yeah, they... <laughs> 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 well they they never like, they what, never what did you yeah. hear yeah 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 they, they just, never broke up but yeah right if, right. if they're well, here has, i'll be there has, has it not been a while since they've done something it's oh, been yeah. a bit yeah but they were yeah it's been a bit but, they, but not doing it kind of, yeah that's kind of their mo it's one i ate is broken up yeah okay. no, they, they just never justify it it just takes them a while every time kyle fagala <laughs> with the fake news Hmm, <laughs> all right Vic. what's your pick could have could have fooled me all right go ahead <laughs> so selfishly my pick is really going to add to the prestige of this round i really have enjoyed everything that everybody's picked but i'm pretty guaranteed to sort of get you know head scratches when you hear this one um i'm going to follow <laughs> my i'm going to follow my heavy theme and uh, i could feel jeff's head about to explode again I, i'm going with uh i'm going with a band that really has influenced a lot of the uh, progressive metal bands of now. Um, and that is Cynic and their first album, Focus. There's several songs from that album that I could have picked. Um, I just decided to go with their opening track. It's pretty quintessential of their sound. And they incorporate, you know, the, the keyboard vocal, uh, the voice coder, I think that's what it's called. And, uh, but, you know, they do have the, the growling vocals, but they're a band that will go into some very heavy technical metal and then suddenly in, in, in the snap of the finger go to a really just clean tone fusion type sound. Something that Opeth would do in the 2000s, something that a lot of the bands uh, between the Buried and Me kind of do the same thing. 
this is a band that when you talk to the musicians, once again, they are just recognized as the biggest influence. For some reason in the Berklee College of Music, this band, this specific album was spoken about all the time. Um, and it's something where I just really, you know, enjoyed listening to them and going back and listening to this, not the best production, you know, early nineties, you know, they really didn't know how to tame, you know, just that heavy sound, but um, influential and definitely proggy, not at the time considered to be prog. But if you listen to the death metal that was being played before then and what they started bringing in, it was a far more technical, far more music, you know, musician centered as far as with the theories and, and just the techniques. And did you say a song title? Veil of Maya. <laughs> okay. I think yeah. I said it earlier. No, but, I didn't. I don't know if I heard it. Yeah, that's the, that's the song. I mean, it, it's sort of a out of left field for maybe this group and some people watching, but it is considered super influential in prog metal for sure. Is that in your book? And it is in my book. So all right, there you go. There you go. Then it's official. Then it's then official. It's official. Vic, the the more you talk, man, the more I realize we could have hung out when we were teenagers because. I, <laughs> I definitely, I love all types of prog. I mean, Kansas was the first prog band I got into, but the heavier side definitely speaks to me. But I'm going, man, Vic is really into some heavy stuff, dude. Yeah. Listen, when I, when I knew him, he was, when we first met, before we got into doing all the prog stuff, all I knew Vic liking was Nevermore, Iced Earth, Death. Wow. Uh, I mean, Dream Theater <laughs> was like the lighter side of what he was wow. listening to. Fear Factory, Arc Enemy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Right on. Well, that, yeah, it's a solid pick. I, if I if I'd hung out with you when I was that age, Vic, I might have heard of Cynic. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's good to find out in 2021. Just, just <laughs> what I, what your shirt I missed, back up. What I missed in the 1990s. So we have yeah, one more pick left. Pounds. And I'm, I'm, pick is still I'm there, looking apparently. forward to this because the grin on his face is such that lets you know he got his pick for last. Most of my picks are still here that I, I, I mean, we're gonna I, have some good honorable mentions. Yeah, there's some, there's some good stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, it's gonna be longer. You wanna, than you wanna do podcast. them now? The honorable mentions, and then we go to the final pick. No, let's let's hear his pick. Let's hear his pick first. Let's hear. I have no uh, yeah, idea it's... what it's supposed to be, by the way. Oh, who my pick? Is, yeah, has everybody guessed? No, I don't. I don't think it's like super obvious, but I I think it's a a perfect pick. So let me let me do a th my thing. It's going to bring us back to a song from 1990, which I think in some ways is cool. This is a band that started in 1979, and they combined progressive metal, funk, soul, and some great vocal arrangements. Um, I've seen them in concert a few times, and they're always really great. Interestingly, this is some good trivia. Uh, the album that this song appears on actually tracked on Billboard's top contemporary Christian chart at number 31. Um, there you go. Vic knows. Yep. And uh, this Fuck was their most, 
commercial, you know, this is their most commercially successful album, nearly hit gold. And the album is Faith, Hope, Love. The band is King's X. Oh, and so. the, the song, the song right. is We Were Born to Be Loved. Uh, may not be the one that you would have picked. Um, but We Were Born to Be Loved. If you've seen them in concert, they will end with this song. Uh, actually, on Progressive Nation at Sea, they ended with this song. And it is an all-time great riff. Uh, Ty Tabor's yeah. excellent guitar player. Um, I love uh, Jerry and Doug together, like one of the all-time great rhythm sections. Um, I don't know how they keep up with all the changes. And so I remember listening to this song, again, before I really knew what Prague or rock was or whatever. Actually, some people listen to this because it was Christian or like supposedly Christian, you know, a lot of the original lyrics, the first couple albums. I never thought albums. of them as a Christian band at all. But yeah. I could see why you a lot would of people did. think of them as, yeah. But it, somehow they were kind of in that stream, you know, they had a C.S. Lewis lyrics, um, you know, Space Trilogy lyrics on some of the first couple albums. And anyway, I meeting Doug at a concert, I don't, I don't really know how they were classified as that. But anyway, <laughs> he's a free spirit. Um, and so, uh, but, but the changes at the end of that song, it's just like, I still can't even count it or keep up with it. And when you see them play it live, they just nail it. And it's the yeah, coolest it just goes thing on ever. Forever. It just keeps going. They go as long as they want. It's like, what are they doing? Uh, great, uh, harmonies. And I guess, uh, it, it would be said that King's X has had a huge influence on hard rock metal in general, but, but certainly I think on a, a certain aspect of prog rock and prog metal, uh, and they're just such a cool band. And so. We'll go back to 1990 with that pick. Great album cover, too. Nice closing. And Very good. In the book. There you go. In, in the book. Um. I could shout from a rooftop how I really feel. Do you really want to know? Do you really care? I could silently scream so you never hear. That's a great pick, man. I, it is it, it is out of left field, but you're right. It shouldn't have been. And right, right. Totally fits. Uh, Even as you were describing them, I'm like, who is he talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. And it's very 90s, uh, uh, which is cool. Nice. I, so third final round, we had Fate's Warning, Pleasant Shade of Grey, Queensryche, Silent Lucidity, Enchant at Death's Door, Symphony X, Divine Wings of Tragedy, uh, Cynic, Veil of Maya. Cynic, see, in the book right there. And uh, Faith, Hope, Love, uh, We Were Born to Be Loved. Uh, sorry, King's X from Faith, Hope, Love. And um, yeah, nice. These are great picks. Uh, you know, I think we we may get some flack here. We left off some pretty major bands that had albums in the 90s. Yep. Um, Genesis, We Can't Dance. I thought Jeff might go Fading Lights or something. But, um, you know, they're not their proggiest moment, that album. So that's okay. Rush. You know, had counterparts and counterparts uh, and roll the bones. Yeah, um, I wanted I to mean, pick. Uh, I like animate. I had animate and bravado. Uh, I think driven's two, pretty cool too. Picks there. Stick it, stick it out. Mine. Um, and Pink Floyd, uh, Division Bell. Yeah, which we left off. Yep. Um, and I had a, depending on how things went, I had sort of a, a left field pick with Queen, uh, innuendo, innuendo song, which is one of my favorite songs from them and a full on prog track with Steve Howe playing uh Spanish guitar on it. So interesting. Well, we left some of those off, but I think we covered a lot of, of great ones. What are some other honorable, honorable mentions you guys have? I mean, the, 
the biggest thing is, and we talked about this in the run-up, is how many Dream Theater songs we could pick. And we we, only and we one. had to forth with one. But I, I felt it was appropriate. If, if we were only going to have one, it right. should be a change of seasons. But yeah. if you could have two, for me, it would probably be Metropolis Part 1, because that is effectively what sprouts into Metropolis Part 2. But yeah. Dance of Eternity, you could argue from, you know, just instrumental prog epic is is the pick. So, and uh, Daniel would pick home. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. For uh, me, uh, Rush, Counterparts, uh, and Pink Floyd, both of those, I figured somebody, one of you guys was going to pick one of them. Um, Kansas came back in 95 with Freaks of Nature. I don't know if you guys like that record, but I thought that was awesome. It was a total return to form. They had a, yeah. a violinist come back in when David Bagsdale. Um, you got uh, Kevin Gilbert came out in the 90s. Roger Waters amused to death. Um, who else? Neil, Neil Morse's first solo record with Whole Nother mm -hmm. Trip. A ton of other prog metal, Shadow Gallery, Stradivarius, uh, Pain of Salvation we talked about, Symphony X we talked about, well, Crimson Glory. Uh, Devin, Devin Townsend had Ocean yeah. Machine. Ocean, Ocean Machine, Ocean Machine. Mm -hmm. and um, Infinity. So yeah. I thought something from one of those, although we don't tend to bring his name up when we do a lot of these podcasts. Um, so I'm not surprised he got left off, unfortunately. But the most of the big ones that we all like, we covered. Um so yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, Vic went super metal on us with, <laughs> with his picks, so that maybe took up some spots. But all right, that was that was my, cool. my, my version takes off Vic's three tracks and replaces them by Genesis, Pink Floyd, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, Endless Dream by Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I'm I'm perfectly happy with this because you absolutely, know, you know, if Fate's uh, Warning, Fate's Warning got picked, Queensrÿche got picked. And and Dream Theater, you know that. that but was you know, in the in the seventies and eighties podcast, we had two songs by Yes, two songs by Pink Floyd, in yeah. in each podcast, two songs by Rush in each podcast. We went yeah. really heavy with some of those, so they got covered. And so, uh, you know, it's all good. Yeah, you got to listen to the whole series of albums to really get yeah. the intended impact. Make sure to That's listen right. to all the songs, especially my picks, because they are the best. <laughs> So Techni technically with liquid tension experiment, you could argue that there is enough of a second dream theater song in there, even though it's not I really agree. called yeah. dream theater. I think that works. Yeah. yeah. Another, another Spock's beard song, for goodness sakes. There's some great Spock yeah. stuff. That I'm shocked. I'm shocked at that. And, and I don't know if to say that I'm disappointed in this crew for not picking more Spock's beard or really proud the of the guy who picked Cynic. Picking... <laughs> 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 I mean, you had your chance. You're disappointed in I us. Know. I know. I, know. <laughs> I I said, I said, in this group, we're all included. In You're it. part of it, yeah. I don't look at hey, us. Don't look hey, at I have us. A, I, have a, I have a quick question because I wrote this album down, and it is not prog. It maybe prog adjacent. Does anybody know Galactic Cowboys Face in Your Face album? Oh, Love wow, it. that's Love a it. great one. Great, great one. Yeah, I could have fit. That would have been a bit bit out there, but that you, could that's a proggy record for sure. Yep. So, you know, you make me smile. I do what yeah. I do. No, no problems. Their vocal arrangements, you know, and and not prog. It wasn't considered prog. That's just a good rock record. No, they were. But, you know what they were? They were more like a, a a metal band that threw in Beach Boys harmonies. Yeah, that's there. great. Description. But, but enough enough for Portnoy to take them out on tour with Dream Theater. They, were they, great. Opened up, they opened up for Dream Theater. Their first two albums are, are really yeah. good. I like yeah, yeah. good band. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, this was cool. Thanks, guys. Always fun to chat and hang out. Anybody good else? Good time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess it wasn't then. Screw you guys. Always fun to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> what a 
what else, what else did we miss? I guess is the big question, but I, I think that about read the, covers. Read that. out your list, Kyle. Go on. You want to? No, I, 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 this was like the shortest list I'd ever come up with because I felt like my picks wouldn't get picked. Well, I mean, still, it still needed I, a staple. No, 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 there's no staple. Well, two sheets. Okay. I could have gone double-sided. I, I think what you start to see is when, when you did the seventies, uh, you know, essential album, you sort of had an idea of what was going to get picked. By the 80s, it may be a little bit less likely, but all still tethered to the 70s in many ways. And now it's all wide open with the 90s. And so you're going to have someone like Vic pick what he picked. And to someone like Jeff, who was a huge prog fan throughout that, is like, who? Um, and yeah. so I think that is really the developing story of progressive rock and of music in general. Is just the stream is broadening. Um, yep. And so it makes these lists really well, interesting. The What's going to be interesting is the 2000s pick al um, album where it's all Neil Morse and Mike Portnoy. <laughs> well I, I i welcome it Tune in i don't know how year, we're gonna do a that year one from man. Now, a year from now we will yeah yeah that was totally by accident by the way i happened to look and it was exactly a year ago it might be by the time we post this it's like almost to the week so uh by accident there's another good pick ah that's exactly that's a good one. <laughs> there you go on that note uh cool all right guys We'll see y'all later. Have a good yeah. night. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you, Roy. Bye. Stink fist. <laughs>